We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Rep the Mavs Step Back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left at. No, we gotta get back, no, we gotta get back. Rep the Mavs Step Back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left at. No, we gotta get back, like, no, we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. 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 How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Alton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Glatson. Uh, Matt, the Mavs, they're, they're just they're in a landslide right now. They can't get back on track. Uh, that, that huge win against the Utah Jazz just feels like forever ago uh you know they they've lost i think the they've lost to the last four teams they've played that have had a worse record than them that they should have beaten uh and it it just doesn't look good right now they don't look like they have a lot of energy uh fish he put out a piece on dallasbasketball.com earlier today where you know said that focus was the main issue uh i think it's a combination of things you know i i'm not saying that they're not trying I think they are, uh, but, you know, I do think they're worn out. They've, they had to climb out of that huge early season hole, and, you know, that's kind of uh, taking a toll on them now because uh, they've been playing a really tight rotation, uh, playoff-tight rotation for two-plus months, and it's finally caught up with them. So, But that's not an excuse. You know, they still have guys with fresh legs. They have the rookies they could throw out there if they wanted to. Uh, especially if the team's going to look like this, you know, what we saw against the Sacramento Kings and uh, against the Knicks. If they're going to look like that, you might as well put some fresh legs in there and just see what can happen. Uh, Maybe they can bring some energy. So 
I'm not going to use it as an excuse because I do think they're worn out. I think Luca's worn out. You know, it, it sucks that he has to play like LeBron and Steph Curry combined uh, for this team to be able to win. If he doesn't play, they're not going to win the game. So uh, even a worn out Luca is better, you know, for the Mavs than just not having him at all. So uh, I put I put more of this burnout uh, on the on the way this roster was constructed more than I do the players themselves because you know if in an ideal scenario if Luca needs rest he's able to do so like what you know well LeBron he got injured he's not resting but still you see with the Lakers how that team is constructed even without LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis they've been able to tread tread water you know because they have really good depth you know they got good players on the team so. You know, I, I put a lot of that on the front office and how they've constructed this roster and how the last two off seasons have gone. Uh, what are you thinking about? I mean, am I, am I far off there? Or I mean, how much blame do you actually put on the players themselves and effort uh, versus, you know, just what they are? So it's kind of a combination of things for me, right? Um, I do blame the players in some sense with the focus. I mean, focus is focus you should be able to focus on your job. If, even if you're tired, I mean, that's what you're getting paid to do. Um, if they're worn out, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, that is the front office's fault. So it's, it's, it's a little on both sides for me. Like the player, the players should be more focused on getting to the six seed, obviously, but if they're worn out, they're worn out. There's nothing they can do about it. That's what we've been complaining about all season. They don't have depth. The, the, everything they did in this off season was a complete bust so far. Josh Richardson, especially lately, has been horrible. And even on defense now, he's not playing well. Yeah. Uh, so this offseason was a complete bust. It was it was the offseason that we wanted, to, you know, that they needed to put them over the top. And they made some moves that on paper looked good. But it turns out that, you know, that they weren't. And now they're paying the price for it. And they had an opportunity at the deadline to add more. And they got J.J. Redick, which is still a work in progress. I'm not worried about that right now. It's only been a couple of games. But they don't have anything else that they can, that they can say that they've done to, to improve this roster. I mean, it's the, it's the stubbornness. It's the, the cheapness. It's, the, it's everything. And it's, it's all coming, you know, crashing down on them right now at the worst time when they should be able to, to reach um, and catch up with Portland, who's been struggling. They're – they're now in danger of falling down almost out of the eight seed now because yeah. I mean, if, if this continues and they keep losing to teams like Sacramento and Houston, and I know the Knicks are a playoff team, but I mean, they're the Knicks. You should still beat the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. It should, still so, should have beaten the Knicks. Yeah. I, I mean, the way it's looking right now with all, with the four teams that are in the play-in scenario, the Mavs, the Grizzlies, uh, the Warriors and the Spurs, the Mavs look like the worst team of those four teams. So uh, they may be still sitting in seventh for now, but the Grizzlies are only like a half game behind. Uh, the Warriors, I think they're like – I want to say they're three games. If I saw that correctly, they're three games behind the Mavs. Uh, so if the Mavs aren't careful in these last handful of games to end the season, you know, they could find themselves in a win or go home situation instead of having a chance to win. And even if they don't win that, you have another shot uh, to get into the to, to the eight seed, which, like we said, we hate this whole, 
play-in situation. I think uh, – So I mean, it is. It's really dumb. I mean, it just completely waters down what, what the teams, you know, higher in the standings have done throughout the regular season. But it is what it is. And uh, ironically enough, Mark Cuban voted for it and pushed for it. Uh, and now his team is in it. And it just – it's just a bad situation. So, uh, that's just what they have to deal with. They have to get it together. The schedule is favorable. They just have to, you know, they have to find a way to push through uh, and, and finish out the season strong. They just haven't done it so far. And, I mean, it's really frustrating because, you know, they've kind of – they've had some situations where they've load-managed both Luca and KP this season. But guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and – uh, even Josh Richardson, aside from, you know, those guys being out with COVID, you know, they've played all season uh, except for that one little area where they had to be out and they had to battle back coming back from COVID. Uh, Maxi Kleba, he's in that category. So there's all these other guys who haven't been getting that kind of rest and it's catching up. Uh, it's And I mentioned this a couple pods ago, but, you know, if when Luca isn't, on his game or even when like last night he put up you know uh 37 points uh eight rebounds and five assists i believe so you know he had a good statistical game he was uh, over 50 percent from the field overall but when you have guys like josh richardson who is your starting shooting guard who's been shooting 22 percent over his last six games and he's worn out and hasn't been playing great defense i mean what's the point of having him in your starting lineup at that point. You know what I mean? But, and then you have, like, Jalen Brunson. He's on. He's coming off the bench. He got you uh, 20 points last night, 8 for 10 uh, from the field. We're going to talk about his contract situation later. It's something I can't believe people aren't talking about it. It's, it's kind of a big deal for the Mavs this offseason, and uh, we just haven't seen anybody talking about it. We'll cover that in a little bit. But, you know, they've got to make – a change in the starting lineup, Matt, because it's a first quarter league. Uh, and especially for the Mavs, I saw a stat yesterday that I think Chuck Cooperstein put out on Twitter that the Mavs are 19 and 0 this year when they lead after the first quarter. So that means, so, so that means in 56 games so far this year, they've only led after the first quarter 19 times. That's awful. Like, how are they not getting off to better starts? Uh, I, th- I think it starts with the starting lineup. I don't think – I get it. You know, the Mavs front office and, you know, Rick Carlisle, they're, they're all stubborn and they want to make this Josh Richardson thing work because they traded Seth Curry, who is one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Uh, they traded him to get more defense and, uh, you know, it just – it hasn't worked out. The trade hasn't worked and they're just trying to force it. And instead of being hard-headed, they need to bring him off the bench. Uh, and they need to put either Jalen Brunson or Tim Hardaway Jr. back into the starting lineup or even J.J. Redick. You know, I don't care. They have to inject more offense into that starting lineup to get off to better starts because it's obviously vitally important that they do so they they can't keep getting off to these kind of slow starts because it, it sticks with them for the rest of the game and a lot of times they end up losing those games so I mean uh, that's where I'm at you know when you've won 30 games 
and 19 of those games you've won after the first quarter. (laughs) It's kind of – it's just kind of an important thing. And, Rick, he has to make a change. There's just no – I'm going to be appalled if they go into this next game with the Pistons with the same exact starting lineup given what's happened here recently. There's got to be a shakeup. I mean, there has to be. Uh, That's all I can say about it. Uh, But, I mean, who would you – what would you do right now to fix the Mavs? Is this fixable? Or is it is it going to have to be something that's addressed this off season? Um, look, I I'm not sure. Um, it's difficult because it, I think it comes down to Rick, and we know how stubborn Rick is, and he wants to stick with his lineups. I would love to see JJ in the starting lineup. I think that would be the perfect solution. Um, I don't want to see Tim or Jalen in the starting lineup because I think they're too important to. Um, the bench scoring. If you take one of those guys off the bench, then your second unit just, I think immediately tanks. Um, but JJ, I think he's new enough to where he's not that vital to the second unit. Cause the second unit has been pretty good for, for the most part this season. So if you threw him into the starting lineup, sent Richardson down, whatever, I think that's the best solution, but Rick always is the smartest guy in the room, right? He thinks yeah. he's right. And he's going to be stubborn about it. And I, barring someone stepping in and saying, Rick, you can't keep doing this, I don't think that anything's going to change. Um, we saw how long it was going to take, or how long it was taking with Dwight Powell. Finally, like, finally, after games and games and games of him being not even an NBA player, it, it got to the point where he was like, okay, <clears throat> you know, he's lower end of the bench reserve now, but he's now he's still getting minutes again, even though he's been a little better, but you know how long these things take for him. He's, he's very stubborn and that's just the way it's going to be. I don't, I don't see another way out of it. Well, I I mean, it's just a spacing thing. Like I remember, you know, when, when Tim was in, when Tim Hardaway Jr. was in a slump there and they were like, well, let's try and bring him off the bench and see how that works. And it worked out well, you know, he's he's a six-man-of-the-year candidate now. I don't know if he is after, you know, this recent uh, stretch. But, you know, it's stuff like that. And he makes he makes almost double what Josh Richardson makes, and they still brought him off the bench. So I don't understand the idea that uh, you still have to play Richardson as much as you are. You don't have to do that. They're professionals. He can come off the bench. He can be a secondary, you know, playmaker in theory off of the bench. Uh, I mean, you just – you have to change it up because he is just absolutely killing that starting lineup spacing. It's awful. No, There is no team in the league that respects Josh Richardson's shot right now. And they know that. You know, the Kings, it was the <laughs> – the Kings, they, they didn't care about Josh Richardson. And they're like, Josh Richardson, we don't care. We're just going to try and swarm Luka and KP, and then if these other guys beat us, then they beat us, you know. Uh, so something's got to change. They got to get off to a better start. Uh, you know, even if it means, you know, cutting down some of these guys minutes and giving five to 10 minutes a game to a guy like, uh, Josh green, who's likely the team's best one-on-one defender. If we're being honest, you know, with his energy and, uh, his instincts and everything, yeah, he's raw, and he, especially on the offensive end, he still has a lot of work to do there. But how much worse can it be offensively? You know what I mean? 
get a guy in there with fresh legs who can play some really good defense and steal minutes for these guys to where they're not having to just, you know, run themselves in the ground. And then maybe you're a little bit more, you know, fresh for the playoffs or the play in is what it's looking like at the end of the season. So I don't know. It's frustrating. You talk about them not respecting Richardson's shot. And you, you would think that Dorian would be that guy, but they would rather have Josh Richardson shooting threes than Dorian right now. And that's, yeah, that kind of Dorian Dorian's actually been pretty good lately. You know, he's, he's gotten out of his offensive slump uh, and he had 22 points last night, I believe, but defense. If he can can make that, you know, that recovery on his shot and, you know, and improve and, and get where he is now, you would think Richardson could do the same thing, but right now it doesn't look like he can. It's 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 getting progressively worse instead of progressively better, and that's very concerning. And again, it's not just the shooting. You know, when he was when he was making a positive impact defensively, I mean, yeah, it was it was bad when he was you know not not able to hit the uh, broad side of a barn. <laughs> uh, on offense, but at least he was playing his butt off defensively and he was making a positive impact on that end. But here lately, it just hasn't been working out that way. And like I said, I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if it's focus. I don't know what it is. But if he's not going to contribute on that end of the court, I don't know what he brings to the team, at least to be worthy of a starting spot. So... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I, I know that uh, I know that the Mavs uh, have a lot of success with Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, Jalen Brunson coming off the bench and being that, you know, dynamic duo. But I really – I want to see Jalen Brunson start. And, you know, that's going to lead into this next topic uh, that uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jalen Brunson's contract situation. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. 
Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, Matt, so like I mentioned earlier, this is a thing that is kind of a big deal for the Mavs, uh, you know, heading into this offseason, and most people aren't talking about it. But when Jalen Brunson was drafted, he was technically a second-round pick, but he got more of a first-round pick type of contract. But the way his contract works, and we've looked into this, Okay, so it's a four-year contract. This is year three. And next year isn't guaranteed yet. So the options for the Mavs here are they can not guarantee next year, next year's uh, year in his contract, and make Jalen Brunson a restricted free agent this offseason. So then they could re-sign him and match any offer that, you know, if he were to sign – a deal with somebody else or they can guarantee next year's contract and risk him becoming an unrestricted free agent next summer, which, (laughs) which in my opinion sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, The third option is, you know, they could guarantee next year's money for Jalen Brunson and then agree on an extension on top of that. Uh, But I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, you didn't really expect there to be any kind of Jalen Brunson drama or anything you'd have to think about with him until after next season. But with the way the contract is set up, it's coming up sooner than, you know, most of us would have thought. So it's kind of a big deal for the Mavs. And I guess my question for you is, and what I've been thinking about is like, which way do the Mavs need to go with this? The latter of the three options eliminate the drama um you know guarantee next year sign him to the extension and be done with it you can't lose him right now unless you have actually no you can't lose it there's there's no unless you have some plan scenario because they never have a plan they never they never do anything in free agency they they're not going to bring anybody in that's better than Jalen Brunson I've already accepted that fact um so you have to guarantee it guarantee next year and you have to do the extension I almost don't even care what the extension is. But see if but see if, if you do that final option, you're basically saying that, you know, Jalen Brunson 100% wants to stay in Dallas and continue to be a, you know, a backup point guard basically because, you know, I personally think he should be starting over Josh Richardson, but uh, you know, obviously Rick doesn't think that. And I think he's played well enough this year that he's deserving of a starting spot. I think he could be a starting point guard on a on another NBA team. So, I mean, it really just depends on what he wants. You know, if, you know, if he decides, well, you know, he doesn't think his role is going to grow much bigger than what it, what it is right now in Dallas and he wants that bigger role, maybe – you know, if the Mavs guarantee next year, he's just like, well, we'll just wait and see what happens in unrestricted free agency. So if it's a situation like that, 
then I would rather him be a restricted free agent this offseason. And then if he does sign a bigger deal with somebody else or, you know, you have that control and, you know, you can sign him long term no matter what he wants to do. And then you have about, you know, probably three, four more years before he hits that unrestricted free agency uh, market. So that's where I'm at on it. I, I mean, no, maybe it would. You're right. It would be the easiest and the less dramatic option if they guarantee next year and then, you know, plus have an extension on top of that. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. It just depends on what Jalen Brunson himself, what he wants. No, yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. It's just um, restricted free agency always scares me no matter which route you want to take in it, whether you're chasing somebody or whether you have a prospective um, restricted free agent. Um like if somebody like the Kings is like, we're going to max Jalen Brunson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some, some franchise who's going to way overpay him. And you're like, well, great. Now we're, we can't max Jalen Brunson. Now we're going to lose him for nothing. Cause there's going to be some team who wants to overpay for him. But see, but see, that, that's the difference for me too. Like worst case scenario that happens. Okay. So worst case scenario, restricted free agency, they don't get an extension done, and he looks to sign an offer sheet with another team for an insane amount. And even if the Mavs don't want to match, depending on who that team is, I mean, you still have sign and trade options, you know, before they just decline the the, the offer sheet. Uh, you know, we saw it with the the Bucks and uh, uh, Bogdanovich before all that exploded. You know, they had a, a sign and trade. Uh, set up to where you know between the Bucks and the Kings that they were going to work out until until all that happened and it didn't work out and then he ended up signing with the Hawks so uh I mean worst case scenario restricted free agency you could lose him for nothing but I think they you know there's more ways you can find a way to to squeeze something out uh, of, of a situation like that but yeah I mean <laughs> This is just a gut feeling. I mean, I obviously don't know how he feels personally, but him and Lucas seem to be pretty tight. You know, they were drafted the same year. Uh, they they seem to be uh, two guys. Like if there was an if there was a guy besides Boban that I had to say, okay, he's probably Lucas' best friend on the team. It'd probably be Jalen Brunson. You know, they they pick with each other a lot, but it's you know it's playful. It's like two best friends. Yeah. Uh, picking with each other. So, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like he has a good relationship with the guys on the team. I think uh, the, the franchise, you know, the, the front office, I think they view him as a, a really important piece going forward, whether it's with the team or even a potential piece and a bigger trade later down the line. But I don't know, man, I just, I don't, I don't know what he wants for his role. I feel like his role could be a lot bigger than what it is right now. And that's the only reason I have doubts, you know, <laughs> about how this is going to play out going into the future. Cause like I said, I mean, we didn't even think we would be thinking about this until the end of next year, but with the way that contract set up, he could be hitting restricted free agency in a couple of months, which I don't think a lot of people expected. And frankly, I I'm surprised we haven't heard more people talking about it. So I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. <laughs> It, it's a scary situation because, I mean, let's face it, he's at worst been your third best player this season. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, no, that's perfectly fair. I don't know if you saw it, but I put it on a – I tweeted it out yesterday because I was on a basketball reference just looking up stuff. And, you know, for a guy that's averaging double digits, and he's averaging 12 points per game this year. So, for a guy averaging double digits like he is and shooting at least 52% from the field like he is, uh, there's only a list of nine players in the league that have done that this year, and he's the only guard on that list. So, <laughs> it, very good. Yeah. So overall efficiency, especially just overall from the field, and he's shooting 38% from three as well. But you know, overall that 52% field goal percentage, he's shooting a whole lot better than most guards do. You know, he's up there with the with the big men who you know live live at the rim and have naturally have higher field goal percentages so he's been very efficient he's been great in year three and you know like I said I still think there's a step he can go up from from what he's been but that step isn't going to happen until he gets a you know a bigger slice of the minutes and uh, either potentially starts or gets more minutes off of the bench so one one or the other is going to have to happen for him to take that next step well you mentioned how the franchise views him and I think that's something that can't really be understated. I don't think you understated it. I'm just saying in general, I think in my opinion, I don't know this for a fact, but in my opinion, I think they view him as like a Dwight Powell type guy in the sense that like, I think they are attached to him. I think that they believe that he fits into their kind of, you know, their type of player, their kind of culture, everything that they, you know, value in a player both personally and on and on the court I think he fits that to a T so I have a very hard time believing that they're gonna do anything to move him or let him walk or anything like that um I mean you you would definitely hope so because he's one of the few picks that they've actually you know hit on (laughs) over the last two decades so yeah and you would hope so he's 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 a Rick guy too. Like he makes the right decisions. He plays smart. I mean, there was times last season when he didn't really do that and we got frustrated with him, but he was young and he's obviously taken a step forward this season. And I think he's going to keep taking steps forward. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I'm, you're right. I I don't, I I had no idea until you brought it up to me yet. Was it yesterday? You brought it up. Yeah. Well, it's really our, uh, our guy, uh, Blake Weir that we talk to on Twitter every now and then he's the one that ran it past me. And he was just like, look, (laughs) nobody's talking about this. And I, I didn't know about it. So I had to go back and, you know, just look up Brunson's contract and see how that stuff worked. And sure enough, you know, that was the two options they have, you know, either not guarantee next year and have him enter restricted free agency now or guarantee next year and risk if you let me step back for a minute if they don't come up with a contract extension let me step back for a minute free agency next year which would be a disaster let me step back for a minute uh i let me step back for a minute no no you can't uh, so we'll we'll see how it goes but uh, you know Jalen, he's he's been great this year uh he's taking the next step i really i mean with the way the mavs are struggling right now there's a list of guys uh, who I would put in the starting lineup ahead of Josh Richardson. And Jalen Brunson 
tops that list for me right now. So <laughs> I have a I have a a thought about that. Uh, go back to the last few seasons when the Mavs have hit like a struggle in the middle of the season. Who's the guy that they inserted into the lineup during that struggle that kind of helped right the ship and turn it around? And then they said back to the bench once they had things figured out. JJ Barea. <laughs> yeah. So, and they don't have him obviously anymore. He's retired or whatever he's doing. I don't, I don't even know. He's what playing he's doing. overseas now. Playing overseas. Good for him. Love you, JJ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but why can't Brunson be that guy? Insert well, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing is what I'm saying. He could yeah. provide a, a spark maybe to the starting lineup. And then, you know, guys could get their energy back and they could get things turned around. And then you can kind of work your way back towards bringing him off the bench again, but they have to do something to shake things up. And maybe that's exactly what they need. Even if it's not permanent, even if yeah. it's a five, 10 game stretch. And, it, it, and I mean, look, it's not like it's not like it would be a huge experiment either because we've seen Jalen Brunson in a starting spot. You know, yeah, uh, he does great. He's great as a starter. Uh, he's been able to more than handle his own in a starting position with or without Luca playing. So, I mean, I, I think it would be a good thing. I mean, yeah, the, the J.J. Barea stuff, he was more of like a – uh, break the glass in case of a fire type thing you know he didn't really have the he didn't really have the role that Brunson has right now but like you said same concept you don't have to you know even when they played Berea uh it wasn't a, a sure thing all the time you know they'd put him back on the bench well I mean it's the same thing with Brunson you could start him see how it goes I mean if it works out roll with it into the playoffs if you have momentum and if I mean, you know, if it doesn't, you can always move him back to the bench anyway. So I just think at this point, given the skid that they're on, I mean, Matt, they're a lucky, and I mean that was a great buzzer beating three pointer from uh Luca in Memphis, but they are a lucky one legged, one arm shot put type of <laughs> buzzer beating three away from being on a, what, five-game losing streak now? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with like 15 or 16 games left until the end of the season. So they've got to do something. You've got to do something to shake it up. And uh, I'll be looking at this next game against the Pistons, and, you know, we'll see what they do. If they lose to the Pistons, I mean, heads are going to start rolling, at least on Mavs Twitter, because <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, as many bad losses as they've piled up lately, you you just cannot lose to the Pistons, who are actively tanking. I mean, that's one of those teams where they're just they're, they are actively tanking. And if you lose to a tanking team, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they, they are actively trying to lose, and then you can't you can't beat a team like that. So maybe they'll get back on track. They need to because after that Pistons game, then you have that uh home and home uh or the back-to-back -back games against the los angeles lakers and was that i have a question go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off but this just popped into my head um let's say things continue in this direction and let's say they fall out of the eighth spot and then they lose the first playing game which is – it's definitely a possibility. They're, the way they're playing yeah. right now, it's, it could certainly happen. Yeah, Do you fire I agree. Him? 
Mm. I mean, I, I no. I'm I'm gonna say no. I mean, look, I Rick Carlisle, and we we talked about it earlier this season when we thought that he had basically lost the team. Um, you know, we we had this discussion before, but you know, after what we've seen this year, and there's been instances where he's drawn up some really good stuff at the end of you know, even on that miracle uh game winning Luca three, I mean, that was you know, people say that's a lucky shot and it probably was, but you know, just the motions he went through to get that ball and you know, the the shot that was drawn up for it, that was Rick Carlisle. You know, he he's still a good coach. He's a good offensive coach, a great offensive coach. Uh, and when he's given the right tools around him, he's shown that he can win at a high level. So, I mean, yeah, at some point there's gonna there's gonna have to be a scapegoat, and typically the head coach becomes that. But me personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't fire him. Not right now. Uh, I think more of the heat. You know, if if somebody's gonna get heat for them, you know, missing the playoffs because they lost in the play-in situation, you know, it needs to go on the front office more than it does Rick Carlisle. That's just my personal opinion on it. I don't disagree. I I just in in my from what I from in my opinion. And in my experience, I think usually it's the head coach first that gets the blame for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then when the office realizes after they bring in another coach and it still doesn't work, then the front office starts getting the blame. And then you start seeing heads roll in the front office. I don't think they should fire him either. I just, it's, I think he, at the very least, if that happens, is going to be on the hot seat. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something to watch going forward because you can't go through this whole rebuild that they've gone through over the last couple of years with the tanking and the finally getting Luca and getting back to the playoffs just to have a major step back, you know, trading for KP. If you have Luca and KP and you don't make the playoffs, that is the biggest, one of the biggest failures in franchise history. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely – it'd be devastating. And look, I agree. I mean, you know, coach, head coaches, they're usually the ones that take the brunt uh, of that blame when something like that happens. But – and look, Rick Carlisle, he hasn't been perfect either. We saw it as recent as, uh, you know, that last game they played against the San Antonio Spurs when DeMar DeRozan just completely demolished them in the second half. I think he scored like 27 points just in the second half alone. And then when it came down to the end of the game and, uh, you know, uh, it, it came down to that final shot, uh, that was his decision, you know, not to, to double DeRozan when he had been killing him the entire second half and he let him go one-on-one with Dorian Finney-Smith and DeRozan hit the buzzer beater to win it. So, you know, uh, he, he has had his moments where, it, you know, you kind of scratch your head. But I, I really believe if he has, you know, better – pieces around Luca on that roster that we would see more success uh, from him than what we've seen. And it, you wouldn't be in those type of situations with the, with the Spurs who are below you in the standings, you know, you'd Luca wouldn't have, like I said it earlier, I really feel like, you know, especially during that stretch where uh, he shot 43% from three for two straight months and he was still getting anything he wanted around the basket it's just it's not right that he has to play like I said earlier, Luca. I mean, uh, LeBron and Steph Curry combined, 
you know, just for this Mavs team to be decent. You know, if he if he's not on his game just even a little bit, this team looks like a, a G League team sometimes. <laughs> and that's just that it's just unfortunate. So I, I'm willing, I'm willing to give Rick Carlisle a little bit more time to to hopefully have this front office, you know, put put better pieces on this roster. I don't know if it's gonna happen. You know, a lot of people give him the benefit of the doubt. I've said I'm going to give them until this offseason before I completely, you know, <laughs> turn into a major grump about it, even though I've – I don't know, man. I mean, they, they've really got to prove it because given the track record, uh, there's not really an, a lot there to, uh, to keep fans excited about free agency. So we'll see how it goes. But I just – I don't think right now, despite how frustrating he can be at times and how hard-headed he can be at times, I don't think right now is the time to uh, – to let Rick Carlisle go. I think more of that blame has to go on the front office. Well, we used to say that uh, about, you know, how it looks like a G League team. We used to say that about um, when Dirk was here and they and they weren't putting pieces around Dirk, you know. Uh, on 105.3 The Fan, they would call it, you know, Dirk and the Texas Legends are going up against the, the Spurs. <laughs> and it was true. So that's, that's what concerns me is that, the track record going all the way back to when Dirk was in his prime, they still weren't surrounding him with the right talent. Right. And say, look, that's going to be continue to be an issue going forward. And that's another thing about Rick too. I mean, yeah, the, the Mavs, they haven't won a playoff series in a decade now, which is awful. But if you look at those seasons, like even that, I think it was 2013 is when they, when their starting center was Chris Kamen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and somehow, I mean, Matt, you go and look at that roster that Rick had to deal with that year, and that was the year Dirk had some injury issues as well. Somehow, Rick Carlisle got that roster to 41 and 41 on the season. That He made that team a 500 basketball team, and that team was awful. That roster was terrible. And, you know, even, even in, a, I believe it was the very next year, uh, 2014 when they had Vince Carter and uh, they ended up making it uh, as the eighth seed in the West. And then that Spurs team was amazing, you know, best team in the league that year. And they took them to seven games. And if Juwan Blair doesn't get ejected uh, in that series for one of those games, I fully believe they could have pulled off the upset there. So, I mean, Rick Carlisle has had his moments. I mean, the Mavs haven't gotten over the hump, but it's it's not a Rick Carlisle problem. It's an overall talent problem. That has been the problem uh, through the Dirk era. You know, they finally got a championship. They finally put the right pieces together uh, with a bunch of savvy veterans who were hungry, like uh, Tyson Chandler, Sean Marion, and uh, they already had Jason Terry, and then you got Jason Kidd back. And, you know, it just – the, the puzzle pieces fit together that one year. Uh, and then you see what happened after that championship. They just, you know, they, they didn't keep it together. You saw how they did Tyson Chandler twice. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, just talking myself through it, you know, I, I think everybody else can see it too. I mean, it's, it's not a Rick Carlisle problem, as frustrating as he can be sometimes. Uh, it, it's a talent problem. So, uh, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, they 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 absolutely cannot have a repeat this summer for, of what they had in 2019. They they can't, Matt. It's going to be if they do, 
it's it's going to be basically a, a death sentence uh, going forward because Luca's max extension is coming up, and they're going to have him on a max contract. It's going to be like the bigger max too because he's met all these qualifying uh, deals by making All NBA and you know two All Star games and all that stuff. So uh, he's going to be on a huge contract. KP is going to be making thirty million a year. Uh, there's just not going to be a lot of room, you know, to improve. And you're basically you, – you better hope that guys like uh, Josh Green and Tyler Bay and Tyrell Terry, who – I don't know what's going on with him, but he's been he's been gone forever now for personal reasons. But you're basically putting yourself in a situation where if you bomb this offseason, if those three guys don't turn into something the next few years, you're screwed. I mean, that, and you're probably looking at, you know, at that point you're hoping that Luca is like Dirk and that he just wants to grind it out in the same place he's at. Uh, but, you know, if it gets bad enough, then you could see where he might start to, you know, consider looking elsewhere. I'm not even going to talk about that because it makes me sad, but, I mean, that, that's how big this offseason is. I'll say one thing, and I won't go any farther. I don't think that there is another basketball player on the planet like Dirk. I don't either. One of a kind for sure. Yeah. So we you've got you've got a couple of loyal people in the league today, like uh like Giannis. You know, he signed that super max to stay in Milwaukee, but even e- even even uh, yeah, Dame. Dame's probably the closest. Yeah. He's probably the closest. I'll, I'll give him that. But, yeah, there, there'll never be another Dirk. I miss that dude so much. Well, that that's going to do it for another episode, I think, unless you have anything to add. I mean, no, I think we kind of I, I think we kind of covered it all. But, yeah, I mean, it's a big offseason, not just with the Jalen Brunson stuff we've we've discovered, but uh, but just how they're going to fill in the rest of the roster around Luca because what's happened this year, and the last two off seasons, I mean, it's just it's not cutting it because fundamentally, this is basically the same roster uh, from Luca's rookie year. Actually, it might you know from an overall talent perspective, it might be a little bit worse because they had Harrison Barnes then, and he's been killing it for Sacramento now. <laughs> so, I don't know. Dang it, that Wesley Matthews has been better or was better than Josh Richardson is right now. I agree. Yeah, as as much as frustrating as Wes Matthews was during his Dallas tenure, uh, he he was better than what we're seeing from from Jay Rich right now. So I don't know. I hope I hope he gets out of his slump. I hope he provides some, you know, some positive uh, value when it comes to the playoffs this year, or if they end up in the play in, you know, maybe maybe that's where his value can be maximized. But I mean, he he's got to get it together, and if he can't. There, there's just no reason he should still be starting. They can't keep starting him and, you know, continue to get off to bad starts and losing these games and just act like everything's going to be okay. Because, like you said, it's going to be a disaster if they end up not making the playoffs this year. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for another episode. Uh, we appreciate you coming in and listening every single week. Thank you guys so much for 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, that was a whole lot of fun uh, doing that ticket giveaway and everything. And we'll definitely do some stuff in the future. You know, we're going to have T-shirts. We'll do T-shirt giveaways, stuff like that. 
but we really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe on all your other favorite podcast platforms. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you know, leave us a review on there. Uh, and yeah, we appreciate it, guys. Uh, later this week, we're going to do a locker room session. We tried to do that today, but uh, as you can probably tell, if you, you know, tune into those, we have a little bit of audio uh, inconveniences on there from time to time. So, guys, we appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of the week. And we'll see you about middle of this week. So see you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.